Welcome back to the JV Bodyworks podcast. This is the last podcast of 2023, and what a year it's been, and what a final podcast episode. Today, we have an absolute legend in the car community. He's probably sold more 911s than any Porsche dealership in New York. He's the reason why you and I can still get really low, great examples of our favorite collector's cars. He's gonna tell you about how he got into the business, what he did before, some amazing stories. And if you wait till the end, he's gonna tell you what he thinks are the best buys for 2024. Without further ado, please welcome Ryan Freeman. Ryan rolled up in a Maybach that is his now mobile office. He put up a post yesterday with the song Can't Knock the Hustle. Well, that that's the 62S that we just got. That's going to be the upgraded version. So right now we're in the office. temporary mobile office. So we, we started, this is like we started with a condo, which is the 57S, and now we got into like a single family dwelling. But that nice one's venue. white, right? Yeah, that one's So that white. was only for weddings, right? Only <laughs> A lot more than weddings. We got New Year's Eve coming up. It's, it's a white white. We got Harrison's birthday coming up. It's okay. Harrison's birthday. That's gonna be you guys can borrow if you want. What Harrison, you want? how old are you going to be? 24. All right. You guys single? You got a girl? Oh, all right, guys. Ladies, ladies, we're going to post up a picture of Harrison. Who posted that song? That was your song? I got to be honest. It was one of the ones that was just automated. And I rarely do posting. But the social media, I did from day one everything. Okay. And then once Harrison got involved, I, I, I felt I was always ahead of the curve when I was younger starting things, whether it was this business or another business I was in. But I'm 38 years old now. I have some gray hair. And what I've realized is, is that I'm literally antiquated. Like, so, you know, a lot of these guys do all the social media for us now. And it's it's much clearer and better and targeted towards, you know, the younger audiences. Yeah. How much of the business do you get from social media? So it grows. You know, it's been growing year after year. But a, a tremendous amount. I would say more, th- more than sales, it's, it's, it's cars being offered to us to be bought. It's, really? it's tremendous. It's a lot of people, believe it or not, they're not in the selling mode of their own vehicle. And they basically see something that we have that's so rare and they actually have it. So that's a, how you find out that a person does have that other, you know, bookend of the car. If they made three of these one cars, Mm -hmm. you have one. Now you know that this guy does. And that that was the bait that drew him in, so to speak. Uh, He may not sell it today, but he could sell it in a year. And trust me, you know, I'm calling him every freaking other week, whatever, until he sells it to me. Eventually he will. And you're calling him? Oh, I'm calling. It's you yourself. Yeah. I'm you don't have a header that does it? No, no, no. So I carry two phones. Okay. One is my personal phone, which everyone has regardless. And then one is my 516-888-9000 plug. <laughs> yeah, that's going to pop up on the screen. My phone number uh, is for the business line, which uh, when I started the business, I, I bought a number because I thought it was you know good to have a good, clean number. But I kept it as my cell. And still to this day, I answer every phone call that comes into the office. It's, cra- it's crazy. But if I miss the call or I don't want to take the call, it goes right to my sales manager or another person in the office. But, um, you know, when I started the business and I put my name in front of it, that was something that was important to me is just to stand behind it. But, you know, growing to a point where you're doing like 50 somewhat cars a month in sales and 50 purchases, it's hard to deal with all everything. Now I have like 15, 16 people that work for us and help support the business. But uh, still, even to this day, I answer every phone. And and another level of sickness. I And, and it's, I'm not lying. This is close to completely true. I answer the phone in the shower. I take my phone in the shower. Wow. Yeah. I bought a car the other day that came on a post. This is going the reverse side of buying. And basically, uh, another dealer offered a car online, a turbo, a 997.1 in gray, 20,000 miles. It said price 92.5. Again, I don't care whatever if anyone sees what the cars sell for or whatever or I buy them for. Because go find that other puzzle piece type of car. But anyway, 
He said the ink is still wet on the check from when he bought the car. So then I'm in fucking in the shower. I see that that car right there, and I call the guy right away. And he's like, oh, he's like, all right, fine. He goes, but since you're buying, he's like, do I have to do the tires that I said I'll do in there? I'm like, no. I'll take the car, no problem. How long are your showers? Like, are you in there for thirty minutes? Like, what? <laughs> how many deals per shower? Yeah. You know what? I'll be honest. So, like, it's funny you say that because literally my favorite times of the day or night or whatever are like midnight to like three in the morning. I'm up because nobody bothers me. No one can really call me. Even West Coast people, it's like they're ten, eleven o'clock. They're winding down. So, like, shower time. Like, even if that shower is at two in the afternoon. Actually, I'm still being bothered, but it's, I'm still, I'm getting like a half. It's like, yeah. it's like you're getting a little bit of both, but in all honesty, the showers are pretty long. My, my dad always says behind every successful business owner is a miserable business owner. It's true. Like it, it every business. Yeah. Miserable successful business. business. Yeah. And it, it is true. I love what I do. In case anyone's wondering, life. I'm the more miserable of the two of us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keep going. So, <laughs> you got more hair. He's got, well, maybe the, you got, I got a haircut for you. We both have all the hair. Right, I got a haircut Everyone for you. In this right. How old are you guys? That's all the hair. I'm 32. He's 27. Wow. Yes, 27. Again, I'm the old one. 38 years old. That's yeah. crazy. You're almost dead. So where do you, where is the, where's the headquarters? Glen Cove, 112 Glen Street, which has some background meaning to it. It originally was Ferrari of Glen Cove. So Very like cool. when I was younger and, you know, loved cars and, and stuff like that. Uh, this is one of the dealers that, like, my father would take me by my hand when, like, I could literally go through your father's legs. That was that height. My head wouldn't hit his balls. That's how short I was. And I literally would walk around there, like, dreaming of buying a sports car. And to think, like, now that we're in that location is just crazy. Did you have an inspiration or, like, someone that you saw? Because I have to tell you about a million people a day telling me that they want to do what you're doing, and it's going to be so easy it's impossible i know it's impossible but was there someone that you saw that you're like that is sick like no it was my father my father my whole life whatever i did if i didn't play a sport i had to work i had to have a job it had to be in a sales position whether it was a sneaker store like i wanted to be a, a camp counselor for like a cit my friends are doing my dad let me do it one summer and he's like you're not doing that anymore like that's that's great he goes great i hope you like did some relations with people but like no you got to get into sales so he really pushed me like in every aspect of everything what did your dad do yeah, so I was in the insurance insurance business. So we dealt with claims and insurance adjustments, stuff like that. So you were a public adjuster? Exactly, public For adjuster. properties? For properties, correct. Okay, and did you work for, like, you had your own appraisal company, basically? My, my father's company that he had and built and whatnot for over the years since, like, the 80s. And I was groomed to go into that business and be, you know, in a sales position. And, you know, it's not something, let's say, be real, like, everyone wants to grow up and they dream they want to be an astronaut, they want to do this. I always loved cars my whole life. Okay. I was obsessed with cars. And and just one quick question too. Yeah. Is cars your passion now or is the business your passion? The business. Is it separate from cars? Completely. Okay, because that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. Like I love cars, but like as all my guys and people, like I have the keys to, to go take whatever or buy whatever essentially. And I could I, – I don't want to say I could care less, but I could care less. Yeah. You know, like – I, I enjoy buying and cultivating such a brand and, and like a collection of cars and a following for like the 997 turbos or Porsche in general. I love building that aspect. But what, I, but what you love is the hustle. The hustle completely. Yeah. The hustle was always there in whatever I did, whether I was selling prom tickets or I was selling hair clips or I was doing whatever it was, you know, loan officer at a mortgage bank, whatever the heck it was I was doing on a side stuff growing up. It all led to what this is, you know? So the fact that I, I was able to basically put, you know, what I do 
loving cars in a mix of business like that that's just unbelievable there must have been hustle in the industry you were in before why why did you leave that so as i grew and got older and just you know like okay you get in your 20s and you were bred to say so to speak go in the business and stay in the business that you were you know your family whatever and raised in and you know as you get a little older you kind of start scratching your head like hold on like this is it goes with anything in life you could say you know i want to make my own path or like there's something there's something that's scratching you so to speak and you don't know what it is so the long story short is as i was getting older i said you know what i I have to make a decision if i wanted it if i love what i do or i not you know i want to do something else and it was just trying basically and i bought a five thousand dollar i think it was five thousand dollars around that 560 sls and 87 it was gray on gray and you know we used to go out east in the summer or whatever like like that's where a lot of wealthy city people go and i would i put out a 560 sl on montauk highway at a carvel station and within like literally 45 minutes i got a call from like a local guy and he's like i'll come to my house i'll pay you today and i'm like I don't even know what to do. Like, he's like, how do I drive it? License plate. I'm like, I don't even know what to do. So all I just knew is that the aspect, you know, the transactional experience intrigued me. And I was like, you know what? All right. So we we sold the car. And then I said, let's just try to repeat this. And I just went out and was able to just buy more of that same car. I, I did 560 SLs, the 80s, because that was like... Hampton's good, car. Yeah. And it was a good, cheap, cheater type of car that like... They, they, they finally get out of the Long Island Expressway. Yeah. You know, this, I have a best oh friend God, who did the wow, same thing. This red 560 yeah. SL, it's, it's dreamy, you know? And so that's kind of what really it, it started from. And, and no intention of going into the Porsche world. My, my cousin Barrett Friedman, he, he kind of really pushed me into it. I always loved Porsche. My father's first sports car was a Porsche. But um, he kind of got me in that direction. And then kind of when it took off. Your dad's first sports car, you said? Yeah. And what was that? 91 C2 cab in a tiptronic color wow. red guards red interior black okay and they'll never forget when we were on the bell parkway he was going taking us to roland roaster because my dad grew up in brooklyn and we were What's getting roaster? you never had a roller roaster I no. oh come on we're uh we're... you had to have roller roaster no must have been in brooklyn twice so good all right anyways it's it um long story short as we were going there we were getting off of the exit and me and my sister were fighting in the back seats because in these Porsches, that's uh-huh. what my dad loved, is that it's your family going, and he's trying to whack us. And <laughs> as he's getting going off, he veers off, and the car's brand new. It knocks the mirror off, and oh. he's so pissed off. On the guardrail? He, no, it was another car. Like, he was going to get off the exit, and, like, he, like, swung to the left, and just it, the car, the other car clipped him. So, like, that also, just that memory, and, like, it's not going to be original, and this and that. And, like, it, these are, like, tattoos that I just, like, have in my mind from... What's that car worth today if you had to put a number on it? So, it's so funny. My Literally one of, like, the 10th cars that we bought as I was just evolving was I found that exact... It wasn't really? his, but the same car with, like, 17,000 miles. So the, the SLs I was buying at first, the idea was not, like, low mileage or... You know, it was, like, just good, clean it's cars. Just like, that, pop it out front. Right. It's cheap to buy, right, cheap to sell. Right, So then when I first... It's so funny, the irony, you just brought this up because I... Oh, real quick, how much, were you, how much were you buying them for, roughly, and how much were you selling them for, roughly? 5,000 selling them for 10,000. Okay. Like that. Maybe 8,000 selling them for 15. Yeah. I, I yep. you know, changed the hood pad in the engine. I would put a new top on it, two tires. What year was this? When, oh, seven years ago, 2017, 2016. Wow, 2016, yeah, okay. somewhere around then. 
So yeah, so the, uh, the th- you were thirty one. Thirty when I was thirty one. Yeah. Okay. So the red the red Porsche when I saw one come available with seventeen thousand miles, I was like, wow, this is like a time capsule version of what you had. It could be somewhat sentimental, whatever. I bought it, paid top dollar, couldn't make money on it because I didn't understand and like I I, I didn't have that edge yet. But then I was so intrigued about finding low mileage cars that it was really more so low mileage clean cars and rare cars that would come first, not a certain brand. So like. E forty E thirty six M threes were a good cheap cheater at that point. Whether it was a Cooper or convertible, E forty six M threes were awesome, you know, cars, summer cars, stuff like that. And literally, it kind of just grew traction. At that time, I was also engaged. I wasn't, you know, I was about to get married, about to have a kid, and then it really at a crossroads, deciding like, am I going to take this gamble and go into this is my life? Yeah, or the cars, or stay in the family business. And I said, you know, uh, I, I wanted to do the cars, and I took that chance. My wife now uh, back then stood behind me and completely pushed me to do it and it was a great support system you need to have a great wife and to be able to be any business owner never worked in a car dealership never so i i came in like the back door i never like we my father loved cars i loved cars he never had more than one sports car but every weekend it was we'd go to the dealership whether they were open or closed closed peeking in the window open walking around but never worked in a dealership, never was a detailer to a manager to this to that. So really, I learned the process just from my father, in all honesty, being that annoying Jewish guy, just bothering every salesman at the Ferrari dealer or Porsche dealer. Let me see this. David never bought anything and wasted their time. But just that whole experience, I got to learn it and understand it. And I don't know, like some people, certain things attract and some things they don't. Like for some reason, I was just never bored of just reading about things, learning and um, it's there was slowly in between phases where I was helping buy certain cars for certain dealers, and I realized that I had a good talent not only of finding the cars because you could find these cars, but a lot also what I do that most people do don't do, such as franchise stores are buying cars sight unseen, out of state, borrowing okay. money to a stranger. How often is that a disaster? Uh, it's it's well, listen, we we bought fifty four cars last month. We thought we got scammed on one of them, so, uh, but we didn't, and it was fine. But I, have I been scammed in my life before? Absolutely. Well, if you get it, we're like, ah, I wish you saw this. I don't care about condition, meaning anything, that I'm not concerned about. Because also, if I miss something, it's fine, it's a law of averages, whatever. But the long, you know, if you're going to, I get concerned about wiring money to a person that's going to disappear. You know, that's my mm-hmm. paranoia. We've grown and we've got ways to do background checks and, and do certain things that, you know, make the process a lot more safer and stuff like that. If there's a red flag, I don't do it. But um, that, you know, that people don't do that. So but it's not only just buying them, it's being able to, being able to capture that person's attention and be able to have a, find the common denominator, so to speak, with a stranger and make them feel like they're your friend. That was something that I had learned from my other businesses, childhood growth, when my father molded me. You know, he always said, like, you start as a piece of clay, and then there's a warrior. But how do you think he got there? Like, every little aspect of it had to be built and sculpted. So how far up the mountain did you get before you felt like, this is all I need to do? Like, I don't need to also work in the business. Like, when were you like, I can support myself based on this? It was when I said to myself, I, I didn't, you know, in a way, I didn't have the success to decide to beat that decision yet. I had the dream and the vision, and I had the, the, the ability to take the risk. And I, re- I, I, I made a decision that the risk was worth the reward if it could be successful. 
And if it wasn't, my happiness, so to speak, was was worth it as well. So whether it was a sacrifice financially, that's why also to me, like all my these young guys who work for me and stuff, like they go crazy over these cars. Like to me, it's it's and I don't want to say like this that it's just a piece of metal, but like you know when you have kids and you have a wife and you have family, like th things come more important. But like yeah. I don't go as like I used to go crazy over a scratch or a mark or this or that. It is what it is. I don't, but I, it wasn't really like okay, I was successful enough to say. I could continue to do this. It was more like, this is what I really wanted to do. And, so, and so I, by any means, you were I'm like, gonna make I'm it just work. doing it. I said, I'm going to make it work. There's, yeah, no, there's no ifs or buts. But how, how many cars in, or right. how much time in, were you like, that's it? I'll give you more further. So when I was doing both businesses, this is a good point to bring up. I, learning a lot with wiring money and doing transactions and like anything you do, you, you can't be a baseball player and a basketball player and be like the MVP of both, right? right. So I was juggling two balls and it's really gets to a point was like at what point are you juggling two things when you drop a ball something's dropping on one side and which one are you caring about more so i got there was a there was a turning point one day i was coming from an insurance meeting going out east and i was wiring money to buy a car and long story short is the guy gave me the wrong wire info and it was a friday he gave me the right wire info but it was on a receipt to a different bank so i wired it to td bank instead of bank of america now, listen, I understand, like, it could, it could bounce back or whatever, but this is a Friday. This is new for me. This is $98,000. This is when I was getting to a point where buying bigger cars, and this money was, like, everything to me, right, at that point. Everything this is I, your own money? Yeah, yeah. You still everything. play with your own money? I started with a few cars for my father that he gave me to sell, and then we took some of the proceeds, which is, like, $100,000, $200,000, and that's really where it grew. And then uh, pr just really profit and taxes was only being paid, and... Credit line slowly grew, but very small. And it was really just, it was just like one card, one card, like horse trading. Uh -huh. But back to the story with what happened, a turning point was mainly when I was driving out east, I wired money, and then it was like five o'clock, six o'clock, and I get the call, I'm still driving, and the customer's like, I didn't get the wire. I'm like, he's like, should you sent it today, I would get it today. And I called the bank or whatever, and he's like, Bank of America. I'm like, no, TD Bank. He's like, no, it's Bank of America. I'm like, look at your text message. And he goes like, oh no, that's the receipt from a previous, I'm like, dude, so I, I pulled over on the side of the road. I felt like I was going to throw up. Partially what it was also was, it was a Friday, like it was Thursday night the night before. I was, I went out, I was drinking, I was a little hungover. So I, at that point I said, that's it. Something's got to give. So I said, you know what? I stopped drinking. I said, you know, I need to work. Month, Saturdays and Sundays need to be Mondays. If I'm going to do both, I got to work like 24 hours. I gave up friends. I gave up social life. I gave up going out. I completely made this a like tunnel vision, like a horse rate, a horse I'm race. I'm doing it. I'm getting it done. Yeah, I'm it's getting it done. Get done. It's, it's just, there's nothing getting in my way. And, uh, you know, people still to this day say, did you stop drinking because you were like, something was wrong? And I was like, no, it was just one day that this incident happened. You made the decision. And I said, that's it. I said, I'm, I'm literally, I really have, a, I think I have some sort of traction with this. And I think I had this dream, this vision, and I really felt it and be believed it as crazy as that sounds. So at that point, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to slow down with the insurance, pick this up a little bit. And I got lucky along the way, like my first warehouse space. A girl called me out of the blue and was like, ah, are you looking for warehouse space? And I was like, no, but she convinced me to come look. And I was like, all right, I went to look and I'm like, wow, this is a great deal. It was like 18,000 square feet for five grand a month or How something. How many cars was that? At that point, I had probably had five, six, seven cars, but I was so just How many cars could that hold? Oh, that could hold like 80, 90 cars. And, how, and where were you keeping them before? Just in your driveway? My parents' garage in the Hampton out east, in a barn, you know? And, and 
to the point, so we're missing also a major factor who a guy's not here. This guy, Louie. Louie's who I started the business with. He's like my sidekick, my partner in crime, everything. Is we, he still with you? He's still, he's still with us. He's still with me. Yes. yes. <laughs> I love him dearly. Still on this earth. He's just a wacky individual. And I love him to death. He'll be my brother and partner for whatever I do. And it is what it is. But long story short with Louie is that uh, he, he was my co-pilot. Like, so I lived in Manhattan and I left the cars in the Hamptons. If I had a, once we started with a website and we started like advertising, if somebody wanted an undercarriage shot, I would get in the car. Go straight out. At nine o'clock at night and say, Louie, get in. And we would go out east. We would get the, even if you wouldn't buy, if they wanted to see the car, oh, no, 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 don't come to, we'll go, we're like a boutique, we come to you, you know, fake it till you make it. Like, it really was freaking like that, completely. And yeah, and nothing's better than that drive. It's, with it, your boy who's down and you're like, it was so good. Doing it. Yeah. Those days, you know, we would go out on a, on a Monday when I slowed down insurance, we were picking up traction. You know, Louis would be in the pool with his laptop looking for cars, and I just would be pacing on the phone, doing this and that, and, meeting with people and and just just yeah it kind of that just feelings like a drug yeah it's the best you know it's like well it, it still is that good people say like is it still feel like is it now really work and as crazy as it is now with how big it has grown it's still kind of feels like that but like you know I, i'd rather sit in a desk chair than, than pace around somewhere i mean we were running through my backyard we would get ticks on our legs we it was madness when that's we, awesome to get it we would get the car we would drive it to the people's house half a block away, clean the car right before we'd show it. I mean, it, people never saw that. People never know that. People just think it was a rich father and giving money, and no, not at all. There's so many other phases of luck how things happened. Um, even now where my showroom is now, there was a, a, a fire in a building across the street from where my showroom is, and we went there because we got referred to it for our other business, And when you're standing looking at that building, you look behind you and there's this showroom. And you look inside and there was like a few Bricklands. You guys don't even know what Bricklands are. Do I know what a Bricklands is? You know. That is the car to the drag your hand out the window and smoke a cigar. The the, no, no, not Bricklands. Oh. Bricklands. Bricklands. Bricklands, I don't know. I know what The doors that Brooklyn's go up? No. All right, you'll put a so picture what, of it. Okay. okay. Fiberglass Yeah, ridiculous. Brickland? Yeah. Yeah. Where did it come from? It's kind of like a vector it's vector kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's, it's like a concept-y looking... It looks like, like a Back to the Future. Right. Or, I don't even know. Like, okay. Long story short, it, the owner of the building had a bunch of those in there, and I was just like, I didn't even know what the building was. My dad's like, this is the original Ferrari dealer. And I just walked in, and I made friends with the landlord, and he's like, oh, you're that kid I heard about selling cars. He goes, you have a good reputation. No one really has a good reputation in the car business. I said, I'm too young. I don't, want, I'm, I don't care. Like, it goes customer car money for me. Money's always last, and it comes if you do the right thing. And the long story short is, he just said to me, he goes, why don't you rent my place? And I was just like, what the fuck? And uh, I was like, I can't afford that, whatever. Long story short is, months later, becoming friendly with this guy, he came to me and was like, here's the deal. Like, I'm going to give you a deal you can't refuse. He gave me a situation to get that building that made it so crazy that you couldn't say no. I can't, it, it's, he can't even say what it was, but basically close to free. Okay. <laughs> For like a year, he helped me. So I'm assuming it was free. <laughs> it was free. For a year, he, he helped me, but uh, he also knew he, it, was, it was a good tenant that would come in eventually. Uh, he likes to invest in different things, so he also became a He made partner. an investment in you. He made an investment in me, invested in the cars. Who, what's better to keep some of the cars you invest in in a vault that you own with the lock and key, whatever. And more so, you know, I cherish my relationship with him, you know. And uh, 
So, like, situations like that, as I grew as Stepping Stones, like, you just, I can't even believe. Like, and the day I shook his hand to take the space, like, you, you know, whatever, we're driving on Glen Cove Road, and we see an, a, a C2 coupe for, like, that's like, beat up, and we, like, we always used to do. We have so many videos of us screaming out the windows on highway. Like, even with the Maybach, it has a megaphone. So we would scream, like, we buy our car, pull over! So literally we did this, like, five minutes after we left the place, and we bought the car for, like, 38 grand. He goes, oh, I was going to, I just left Land Rover. I have to trade it to them for the tax credit. So I, I made a U-turn, and I went right to the Land Rover dealer, and I knew the manager or whatever, and I said, look, what are you doing with this freaking car? You're going to wholesale it. Wholesale it to me. So I bought it for, like, 38 or 40 grand, and we, like, sold it for double. Like, you know, wow. so then that, right there, I was just like, did that just happen for a re You know, it's not, this, I don't believe in all this crazy stuff, but, like, I don't know. There was something weird. Right place, right time. Yeah, it, but it was great. So it was a lot of luck, a lot of hard work. Every space I went into, it was like, I looked at it and I'm like, wow, like that's a big shoe. I can't fill it. And then you fill it and you're like, you're overflowing. And like, even today, yeah. we, before we came here, we looked at a, you know, 25,000 square foot facility just to add as additional space. Cause you know, went going from for the first three, four years, 10, 20 cars now to have I think today we're at like 137 cars in. Is there ever another location like a Westchester or a, you know, Beverly Hills? I always or... thought about that. And I have people that are collectors and in the industry that are like, wow, we got an RFMC West, an RFMC Texas, whatever. But in all honesty, it's it, to, how do you put it? it to manage the, the, the process and to make sure it's just like when I say, you said, what's a pet peeve? I don't want to get into that, but like common sense. Like there's a lot of things that people should see that they don't see and i don't like to say that i'm a control freak to oversee everything but i have to oversee it you have your you have your name on the issue. you have your name in yeah, the building so not only that but like with the way i built it with the internet and the marketing aspect like i i i don't think it matters where i am like i think yeah. new york is also an amazing hub rather than like somewhere like portland oregon or something jeb <laughs> but long story short, where you're from no, 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 no. <laughs> no. They'll, trust me, you'll get comments on it. Yeah. No, it's funny, but um, uh, where was I? I forget, where did I lost my train? No, that's, that's locations. Yeah, uh, locations. Oh, other locations, right. That we, we built a good enough mousetrap for people to come to us. I mean, yeah. we sold 49 cars last month, nine stayed local, 40 went out of state. So, wow. you know, also, you, you know, we, I know how to meet expectations of people that are buying cars sight unseen and what they want, right? You're always gonna have that one customer in the bunch. It's just part, just, if you're in a supermarket industry and you have vegetables, you're gonna have a percentage of spoilage. It's just the way it goes, mm -hmm. right? And, and my philosophy is, when there's no issue going on in the business, that's when I worry. Like, every day that there's an issue to go over, I'm happy because that's that's business, right? So we'll have a customer who's a disaster, doesn't want to pay, creates problems. It's like a nightmare, like we're losing sleep over. And then when they leave, they're like, call like, oh, I got another car. And I'm like, Dad, do you want to deal with this guy? And he's like, yeah, of course, yeah, he's going to pay us. Is that, is it's just part of the process. I mean, like, yeah, I had a guy I sold a certain car to, uh, Ferrari Stradale, and it had 37,000 miles, and I bought it on Bring a Trailer, and uh, he was also bidding on Bring a Trailer, and he didn't buy it, and then he wanted to buy it for me right after because he saw I bought it, and then when he got the car, you know, it was only for a few bucks more that I sold it to him. He complained about all this stuff. I'm like, listen, like, we both, you were bidding on the same car I was bidding on, you know? So, and then, oh, he cursed me out, wanted money back, this and that. I gave him what he wanted. Two months later, he came back. He, he, he just wanted another $1,000. I'm like, look, like, just where does it end? Like, I, yeah. like you know, you just, you're just calling me. Are you in a bad mood or whatever it is? 
So I, I don't care. I gave me the other thousand. Like that's the other thing also. These other, when you compare, do I work at, did I work at another dealer? Did I ever work anywhere in the car industry before? No. But when the experiences I've got is like, when you buy a car and you ask for a second key, the sales is like, oh, I don't know. It only comes with one key, one key. Dude, get a freaking second key for yeah, that. That's yeah. 300 bucks. Yeah, it's like, the cost of a good review. Like, oh you know, my God. Like, yeah. I think people, people they hear, they hear like, these industry standard ways of negotiating. Like we were talking before, we started rolling about like a chip somewhere and they're like, oh, the chip, you know, paint this, paint that. They hear these things and they try to use them as bargaining chips and you're like, dude, like, yeah. just like you said, just tell me you want a thousand dollars off the car. Yeah, yeah. Just let, let's get to the conversation. So, so then he then calls me like, right out of, I get my, this orange G-Wig and he calls me like right the other day and he's like, I, I see the call coming. I'm like, I'm not answering this. I'm like, to my sales manager, I'm like, you deal with him. I'm like, is this guy crazy? He wants the orange G-Wagon? I'm not selling him the new car. I'm like, you're, you're going to go fly here. You want to fly here? No problem. Look at it. But it's just like when you know these cars are so good and you're not finding another one that's comparable, like, you got to get, like, they that type of person just thinks I'm, like, a salesman, whatever. Like, all due respect, like, I don't need you to buy the car. Like, the one right. thing in my other business or other businesses I am, when you lost the sale, it was upsetting. Oh, boy, you lost the deal, whatever. But he who has the car wins in my industry, like, I lost that potential buyer, but I still have the car. Right. And it's going to sell tomorrow. And usually when that type of scenario happens, when, like, my father's from that mentality where, like, he's trying to, he comes around to hang around the office, he's retired now, and, like, he sees a customer coming, he's holding on to that tail of that customer, and I'm like, Dad, let the guy leave. Like, if, if he doesn't want the car, it's going to sell tomorrow. And yeah. watch, the next day it sells for five grand more, you know. Right. Someone calls and is like, I want the car, give me a grand off and I'll take it, you know, and it's an easy sale, so... So what is the what are the three best investment cars of 2024? You do you want to stick in Porsche world or do you want me to just go anywhere you want? Three best investments. <laughs> okay, so in let's start with what I do in Porsche world. I would say the best hybrid of old meets new, which is like a 997, right? So it's taking its depreciation. It has all the creature comforts you'd want. It's going to start. It's going to be reliable, but it still has that analog feel. Now I'm talking anything from a Carrera to a GT3 RS. Okay. So if you're a collector, they're just all great price point cars. But where's the hot spot in that in that gen? Turbo or GT3? Point 0.1 or point 0.2? Either, right? So I would say okay. the va more of a value buy is a point 0.1 because they made a lot more point 0.1s than point 0.2s. Okay. I like the point 0.2s because it's more of the last generation and a little bit more updated, but you can't go wrong with either. They're great price point cars, and they're just – it has that still that – that feel that you could drive a stick shift in the newer stick shift cars. It's just, they're, they're, I don't want to say they're garbage, but they're, they're just, loose. they're just not, they're not, they don't give me, they don't give me butterflies in my stomach. Okay. I work off of everything off of a feeling. They're beautiful. I love them. Whatever. We almost bought a sport classic the other day, a newer one. And I was really hot on it. And I was just like, you know what? Like, this is a hot potato. Like the car is going to deflate and depreciate so much. And while that's cool, I'm not in the business to lose a hundred grand or a hundred right. grand on a car just to like be like have the hot new toy. Yeah. So I like more of the classic stuff. Another great buy I feel is a G50 uh, 87 to 89 that's Targa right now. or a coupe. Like those are great cars, specifically a Targa. Targas usually are a very demanded car. Coupe everybody loves more, but for, from a fifty to a seventy-five thousand dollar range. For an air-cooled car that's very reliable, those freaking G50 cars are just bulletproof, right? Cool. When you get into more than 964, 993s, you're getting with more with leaks and uh, was it resealed. So I would stay away from those. But also, the other great price point cars, I think, are M3s. I think a good example today. Still? 
Yes, I still think so. I this auction today with the Australia Blue car that I had. Okay. If you look at the Bring a Trailer auction, you'll see that there was a lot of back and forth on that car because you know in Porsche world, if you had a paint to sample car that was like one of fifty something in a coupe, you know, and then you break it down, how many of those fifty are you know clean, low mileage, right. and that's still in this country. It would be double the price, but in BMW world, you'll get enthusiasts that will say, oh, my God, it's worth $5,000 more. So my point is, if you're buying a silver or a black one and they're still in the 40s and 50s, that's a, even though it's what MSRP was back then, the dollar is different, right? But what do you expect those cars to be, like good 20,000-mile ones, like 20,000, 30,000? No, they're going to – so for 40, 50 grand, when you see the trend of like where E30s are, M3s – it's eventually going to get there. I just don't know why, like, BMW clientele or B customers are just, they don't want it to get there. Or, like, they, they hate when it's going up higher. Right. But, like, it's it's not about the dollar amount or someone being greedy to make more money. It comes down to what does the car deserve. And, like, oh, like everyone goes crazy over, like, Laguna Seca or Phoenix Yellow. Mm -hmm. You know, like, right now I have, what is it, Oxford Green it's called? Oxford, Oxford Green. It's just a freaking killer car. That's a 36? E46. Okay. Under 100 produced. And, and the, even with the Estrella Blue car, it's like such low production. Mm -hmm. It's even, what even at. Is that? What's that? E46. Yeah, what interior is? Oh, it is cinnamon? gray. Okay. It would be amazing if it had cinnamon. Yeah. But, you know, I think the gray complements that car better than. I like black. the gray. People don't like the gray, but I like the gray. Yeah. And it's era correct. Like, it's, yep. you know, that's another thing. Like, you, you know, you're not going to build, you're not going to look at an older car and say, oh, I wish it had like, you know, this type of newer. Mm -hmm. I, I, if I saw an M3 with like suede inserts, it'd be, it just That's doesn't work. Yeah. Right? If the generation of the, what is it, the B7S4 right. from that era in the blue or the red or the yellow, are you kidding me? Those inserts? Like, yeah, the yellow is the car I wanted. Everything, that car. But like, so even like those cars, like all those cars that like we grew up with that were like, the, the fucking rich kid in high school had that car. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the car that's the value car. The E36 M3. Right. The, the E46 is my... Uh, all those cars. My 69 Camaro. Even, like, like an 08 M5 stick shift. Or... Uh, yeah. Or I right now have, I think it's a 09 or 10 M6 stick shift in white. Okay. I saw that. Like, M6. Yeah, it's not flying off the shelf for 59.9. You know, you're not finding another one. There was a few hundred produced. A Alpine white one with 30-something thousand miles. Like... Dude, that's like an F1 car, a V10 motor, stick shift, like like big body, and it sounds so it's good. It's got to sound sick. Like, what are your three favorite Porsche colors? God, RS Green, Riviera Blue, and Pastel Orange. Wow. Three favorite car, car colors overall. Black, black, black. Okay. If you were Batman, what would you drive? Carrera GT. <laughs> In black? If you were a rapper, what would you drive? Maybach. <laughs> Without a doubt, I love the Maybach. All right. See, like I, honestly, if, if you say like what if you had endless money, I wouldn't go buy a Bugatti. I know it's really cool. And I know Super Heather's really gonna kill me. No, none of these crazy. I love like like it's it's it, these cars are artwork, right? I get off on like the numbered aspect things. Like okay. I, I recently had an SLR McLaren that 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 for me that's Batman's car. I agree. You're that right. is You're Batman's right. car. I had a black, so I always dreamed of that car. And when they got down to a price point of around two hundred thousand, okay, begging my father to buy this car. He's like, You're I'm begging crazy. my father to buy one now, <laughs> and I'm not buying the expensive to maintain. So we didn't buy it, whatever. And then they went to like mid threes, and then out of nowhere, I just saw a car listed for like two eighty, and I called up, and I was like, it was like an like a an off lease Mercedes shop, like secondary shop, not a franchise store that sold a lot of like. You know, three-year-old, you know, 
S classes, E classes, whatever, but on volume. They probably had like 500 cars in inventory. Wow. So this was an oddball for them. So I called up and they're like, oh, it's a friend of the owner's car. So I'm like, okay, you're asking 280. Wire today. What's the number? And he comes back on the phone. He's like 240. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, we're close enough. I'm not going to, I don't even, like, what's going on? So I put it on mute. And I'm like, to Louie. I'm like, think we're buying an SLS. I mean, SLR today. <laughs> and we did. How long did the car like that stay in your inventory? Okay, so that was, so I had a bloodline of a car that like, so all my cars that I own now are in the dealer. This car, I had a bloodline of a car that I own personally tax paid. So you get a tax credit when you buy a car personally. So this car I wanted to have because it was like, you know, a dream of mine, you know, and it got away when my father was begging him to buy it. He didn't buy it. But um, long story short is when I got the opportunity to buy it, I said, you know, you got to have it. I registered it, kept it, probably stayed for four, four and a half years in my collection. But what it came down to is, is like, I thought that car should be a million dollar car, just like the Carrera GT. When it was the Enzo, the Carrera GT, and the SLR, Okay. the SLR did not and still has not done what, like, a Carrera GT, when I bought that car, was 300 grand, right? So now that's like 1.5 to 2, depending on spec miles or whatever. The SLR is still three and change, right? So it doesn't make sense, and I don't know why. I've had it for long enough. And at my age now, with my kids and whatever, I don't want to go to a place. I go to drop home school, the doors go up. It's like it's like it's like such a such a statement car. It's loud and it's very finicky and and the maintenance conscience. So and I became more of a Porsche person. So uh, I got an opportunity for a black four liter, which I had a pastel four liter GT3 RS 2011. That that was just an incredible car, and uh, I wish I could keep that forever, but. I basically had to use that as a bridge to grow my business and sell and show a good return to the investor, yada, yada, yada. So when I, this opportunity for a black one came up, which is very, very rare, they made like maybe a third of them in black out of the U.S. cars for like 141 total. So it's like a silver, like, the, the, accents, like a silver, like, yeah, like, exactly. Uh, yeah. So like the car was 200 grand new. I mean, it's public information. I, I, the car was, I paid a little over 800,000 for the car. And I used that as a trade, my SLR, and I thought that would be a good car for the future because I just see these GT3 RS4 liters just, they're so rare, and it's the top 911 to, that was ever built, in my opinion. So as time goes 997 on... 997 GT3 RS4, what are you saying? Yes, yeah, okay. 2011. They made some in 10, I think, but um, whatever color you have in that car is incredible. My car has 1,900 miles, and uh, that's a car that I just definitely don't want to sell. But the SLR, like you said, Batman... Crazy car, but it just was still a little too flashy for me. If you were a guy my age or his age that had, let's say, 10K, 12K in your pocket and you really wanted a, a good enthusiast-style car, is there something in your head that you would recommend people out there to go for? I mean, like, I love, like, older th 3 Series. I think they're okay. great cars, and you can mod them and make them look. If you put, like, AC schnitzers on them. Like, what do you mean by older? Like, so, E30. like, 80s, yeah, E30. Yeah. Like, an E30. I love the convertible or the coupes. A little dinky car, but, like, anything from that era, I love. Whether it's even Mercedes, if it's not. Like, you see how these AMG hammers are just going through the roof. Yeah. I used to see these cars on the side of the road in Bed-Stuy, like, just left over, like, trash. And now they're going for a million dollars. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, it is. There's some areas over here in uh, in Mount Vernon. You see a lot of them. Yeah. Do you do you would you buy modified cars? Like no. if cars. Okay. Would you sell modified cars? So I'll strip it down and bring it back to stock. Okay. It's things like plug and play, like an exhaust or rims or something. Like if you go to my website, you probably out of like I don't know two thousand cars on there, you'll probably see five that have an aftermarket set of rims. I'm so such a stickler with everything having to be a certain. You'd leave a uh, the classic radio, right? 
Yeah, I mean, like, on the Porsche, on the older cars, it, it depends. Like, I, I, the radios I deal with once a time of sale comes, but mm -hmm. if it was my car, I'd prefer to put in the Porsche Classic radio. Yeah, of course. Like, my 94 Flakbell, I just ordered one, a Turbo S. Another okay, that yeah. thing is sick. So yeah, what's in your... This is the last question I'll ask before we go into the next segment is, and I ask this for a lot of people, your dream three-car garage. And our parameters are the first car is a daily driver. Okay. It's unlimited budget. Your second car is a weekend car. And your third car is a grail car. It's almost like a museum piece. You might not even drive it. You just look at it. You, you, you know, drink coffee sitting next to it. Carrera GT is always going to be my grail car. Okay, so that's the grail car. I mean, the, the daily driver, I mean... I love my Maybach, the 57S. Everyone thinks I'm crazy. It's Everyone says it's just so unreliable. Six years, we've had a great relationship. No fights, no arguments, <laughs> nothing. Wow. Not like it's just been regular wear and tear stuff. Regular marriage. It's Nothing's been crazy. That's great. Sex has been great. Everything's been <laughs> no, I built my business in like the back of that car, basically. But yeah, that was an amazing car. And what was the third type of? Your weekend car, something to carve up the canyons. 90, so, like, uh, my cousin, it'll be the 4.0 or the Turbo S Flak Bow. I love the 94 Turbo S Flak Bow. Like, my favorite. Do you like 930 flat noses? Yeah. Flat noses? Yeah, I, I, that's a great card, amazing card. Reminds me of, like, the Miami Vice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not about I it. I just bought a black one. I like them. I think they're a little, they're a little too much money for the clientele base. Like, you know, I try to focus on inventory that is from our generation when we grew up that people dreamed to have. Okay. Stopping with like a Testarossa and the slant nose, like pre-80s, I don't get involved. Like 70s, I don't get involved in. Early 80s, I really don't get involved in. But the slant nose is an interesting car because for some reason it hasn't caught on to the younger generations because I feel like over 300,000 is a hard, hard price point for like a younger guy to get into. Right. Like a 997 Turbo is a, you can, it's a lot of car for 100 grand or 120 grand affordable was an msrp of 160 grand so it's still a value buy so. what do you think the most reliable air-cooled car is mm, none of them <laughs> no no they're all reliable i swear why well, every freaking air-cooled <laughs> car is reliable you just it's what i'm comes killing my business yeah. <laughs> he's like half his clients are calling it's what comes with the territory they're gonna leak they're gonna sweat they're gonna have little stupid things but they're gonna be reliable they're gonna okay. start they're gonna run yeah you know? Yeah. So basically what we've done here in this next segment, which is called the cash or trash. I like Humper Dump. Is, Humper Dump is great too. It's, uh, we're not going to be able to sell that to the advertisers that we don't have yet. Um, we have two like iconic collector's cars. Tell us if you would take or leave each of them. And then after, if you had to pick one, which one would you pick? So our first one is the old school Bronco versus the old school Defender. Can I trash them both? You can trash them both. Why? I would trash them both because I think, in my opinion, the G Cabrio is, if in that type of genre, like type of car, is the better car and the more hip, trendy car for the future. The G Wagon? Yeah, the G. Those like, don't exist. They don't exist. They're hard to find. Yeah, but you like, get them in Europe, right? Like that's what I. Yeah, but there's enough of them around. If you want to get one, you could find one if you know somebody. Like again, that's why it's too easy. Like so, everyone in the Hamptons drive used to drive around in a Defender. Then the Bronco made cool. They get a Bronco, and now they get a new Bronco. It's like yeah. it's a Me Too thing. You can't find the G Cabrio electric power top, right? We got one customer that has one. Really? Yes. I just sold one. I had it for sale for like so long, and then uh, I put it on Bring a Trailer, and it it did what it was supposed to do. Two hundred thousand dollars, you know. It's and that was a G three twenty. The five hundreds go for like three fifty, four fifty. I mean, Kendall Jenner paid seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for one of them. 
Uh, I think it was a final edition. But they can be found. That's what it comes down to. It's like more of an astute collector that understands. So it's not, I mean, they're fun cars for what they are, but no. If you had to pick either of them, had to. A 97 Defender. Cool. Yeah. Yep, color? Yellow. Yep, me too. All right, Pure taste. Pure class. All right, so we have the uh, Mark IV Supra versus the, uh, the what is that, Mark III uh, RX-7? This is another aspect of my business. Uh, of course, the Supra. I love the Supra. I th So after I started getting into SLs, not that I went down a JDM route, these were cars that, like, were in the high school parking lot when I was 18 years old, right? You know, like, the rich kid had it or, or an older kid had it, but I bought... So this is also part of my vision with things. Like, I bought, like, three Supras for, like, 30, 40, 50 grand with, like, 10,000 miles, 8,000 miles, which then I later sold for, like, double or triple the value, the price, which then that helped grow my business. Everyone says, why'd you sell them? And I, how you asked me before, the car yeah. business, it's business for me. Yeah. So I, you know, and I remember sentimental about your wife. It's the only thing you yeah, won't sell. Of course. Yeah. You, you your kids, questionable. But <laughs> wife keeper. Yeah. The, like, these cars, though, like I knew there were blue chips and they these are stepping stones to growing my business. So it's a great memory to have. But even the RX-7, I had like five of them at, at really? one time. Oh, my God. I was buying these cars with under 10,000 miles for like <clears throat> 30 grand, 20 grand. A white one I had with 12,000 miles was gorgeous. These are awesome cars. When I had a black tan... <laughs> which, by the way, was in the bloodline of the SLR. Mm. I owned that car. And, uh, I, like, I remember cars that I sold these for to buy other inventory and how important that was at that time. Super all day long, though. So that cash was. both? Yeah. No, I, you know, you want to hear from something funny? Driving-wise, the RX-7, you feel more of, like, because it's more of a mid-engine center of gravity. I think that car drives ten times better than a Super. Okay. You know, the boost of whatever in the Super would... I just think there's the whole thing about... You know, super. Everybody loves the super. The super. The super. The super. Yep. If I was gonna drive one cross country, it'd be the RX Seven. If I want to look at one and like have the good car, uh, the eight car, it's the Supra. I don't know. I kind of would keep them both. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> I would trash them both. Really? <laughs> I don't like Japanese cars. I like the RX Seven. All right, this is a really tough one. We got a nine eighteen or the LaFerrari. Neither. <clears throat> trash them both. Trash them both. Wow. Wow. But honestly, I would I would take them both. I would sell them. And I would take the money and buy like twenty insane like Porsches, older cars. Which one would you buy to sell? Which one would you buy to have? Oh, God. If you had to take one, if they made you, I gotta have a nine eighteen. I mean, I know the LaFerrari is worth more and everything. You can't look at it money wise, but like if I were to drive one, if they were equal, uh, the nine eighteen for sure. I agree. I can't. It's gotta be Ferrari for me, even though you know. Porsche's Porsche, but it's got to be Ferrari. It's been a tough one for us recently. We've had we've had both in the shop. We had the one on the right. We have the the AMG, the Cosworth, or the E30 M3. I love them both. How do you not love them both? Like this is this is my era. Like this is my world. You know. You think they're both buys today? Absolutely. Yeah. I still think so. If you get any good car, you cannot pay too much for because go find another example of it. Yeah. I still think an E30 M3, if you have, I mean, like, high mileage ones are going for, like, one mid ones and stuff. Yeah. So, <clears throat> if you find, like, right, like, the right spec one, specifically a red or a white, I mean, there's no price, there's not a wrong price. I, but for long-term investment, I think your 150 can go in other cars that you can make more money. But yeah. for the money, that's a lot of car for the money. The Mercedes, unbelievable car. So I, sick. It's so freaking sick. I, a lot of these cars also, it's hard because it burns because you remember when they were, like, really cheap. Free. Yeah. Yeah. So, like... You remember how many you walked away from for, like, 500 bucks? Oh, yeah. No What's idea. the worst car you walked away? Like, like the oh. biggest regret was, like, 500 bucks. You're just being an idiot. Dude, there's so many cars. This car... Yeah. 
you, I, I, I never look back though. Right. You know, you can't, you can't look back. But there's so yeah. many cars. If it's a good, you know, the main thing I notice now is you just gotta take the shot. You know, you gotta yeah. just get in the game. So that's why, like, also people ask me now, why do I put a, some cars on Bring a Trailer if I have such a good following or whatever? And when do you do that? When? When did I start doing no, that? No, no, like, when are you like, all right, at this point, I'm not selling it? Well, with now, with the amount of cars that we have, cash flow is very important in the business. So just win, lose, or draw, I'll put some cars up that I'm, what exactly I'm into them for, or even a little bit less and take the gamble and just turn the money, you know? So, yeah. and also, I think if someone gets a deal on it, <clears throat> I'm happy too. I want the customer to be happy. Customer, car, then money, right? So, yep. so, and then the I think it gets the, out there. Yeah, and the marketing you get on Bring a Trailer for free with their exposure yeah. is mm-hmm. just tremendous, right? So, and we have great quality cars. So, if, I just put an 1100 mile white 997 turbo on Bring a Trailer, you know? That's a wild bring a trailer type of car. So I just think it's another like there's Auto Trader, there's Car Gurus, there's Carfax, and there's I in my opinion bring a trailer. You know, so of those two, what are you taking? The Benz or the Beamer? I think the Beamer. I'm I'm a, I'm a Benz guy. I think uh, to yeah. find a Mercedes Benz with a stick shift is super no, special. Right. That's true, but that I don't know. The red really got me in that picture. So a couple more <laughs> quick questions. What is the car that like you cannot like? comes flies off the lot like you can't hold it 997 gt3s just sell like nothing they just go like today i mean any gt3 that comes in whether it's a 991 a 997 just flies off the shelf what's your biggest money maker 997 turbos without a doubt I, that was a car that we kind of you know are known for making the market so to speak of the definitely the point two generation I mean, we sold over 200 out of 296 coupes we sold over 100 of the 192 convertibles and uh, the 997.1s, we sold, I don't know, close to 500 of them probably. Oh. But, you know, we, we, we kind of brought, not built up the number or the value of them, but made people understand the value of them, the difference between ceramic brakes and the options together and how that chemistry just makes certain, deco- like we had a yellow one, yellow stitching, yellow wheels, yellow this, yellow that. People say, ugly this, that. but you know what? The freaking car was like 170 spec and... Everyone felt that it should have done like, you know, what a normal car would do, you know, of 120, 100, did 165 grand. How important are the options like to have like a, like a highly optioned car? So, so it gets to a point where it's good, it, you, you know, you could have a, a stripper, you could have like a car that's built properly, which I would say properly is just like the right option. Sports seats, like the lower painted valances, maybe some aluminum trim or whatnot. But like once you get to the carbon and the crate, you know, red st- deviating stitching is good. But once you get like the crazy overbuilt cars to some degree it could do that well but it really doesn't because then it's you're on a 997 we're past the point of where the value is because for depreciation but on like a newer version of a porsche it's not good to overbuild it no way no is there any options that are like options gone bad like at a time like people were like this is what you want and then now you're like i do not want a full nav screen carbon I would say carbon and GT3s, or in, a, or in any like older generation. Port, yeah, they, they yellow. yellow. They yellow. They peel. They crack. They you know, and and it, I always find that as like a negotiating point. They see like it folded up a little bit. It's like lifting or whatever. And the truth is, it's very expensive to replace all that stuff. Wood as well. Like, yeah, it's just and you can't match it. You know, look at the nine nine ones. The door trims kind of peel up. Yeah. Anything else like that, that you're always looking for? You're like the Achilles heel type of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Is there anything on a nine nine or these cars that we look at? Nine nine six. The IMS. The headlights always are stuff. You know, but that's common on any car. But you know, like they, they they delaminate a little bit. But 
nothing. Re- I mean, Porsches are great cars. They are built so well. They're bi- they're built tough. They're built strong. You don't really have any Achilles heels and stuff. I think they say seventy percent of the cars in, that were ever sold are still on the road. Yeah, true. But also, it's another factor is like it's relative to Ferrari as well, like sticky buttons. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's always the, it's just like the era type mm-hmm. things in all these type of sports cars. So, the last thing that I want to ask you, and then I want you to plug and promote as much of your stuff as possible and give you some time to, I have, I have one final closing question, but um, we like to ask people their, their car world and or business world, pet peeve and recommendation. So it, it literally anything. My pet peeves are related to the business, not like a specific thing, but it's like common sense, things that should be common sense, but it's, 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 it's not fair for me to say what should be common sense for me or somebody else, but there should be some level. But the main thing of common sense, if you're not sure, is communication. Like my pet peeve is when people just kind of just take it upon themselves to just make decisions. When, with technology, we're just a text away or a phone call away. And you could avoid so much turmoil, whether it's like a waste of time, a waste of money, or something that could have salvaged the deal. I, I, I just, communication is so key. My pet peeve is communication. Like, call me. Like, communicate with me. Like, I'm always there. I answer the freaking phone in the goddamn shower. My child was born while my wife was still cut open. I answered a call. It's crazy, but my wife, look, my wife doesn't, she, she is like, hoorah. She's like, she knows who she married. Like, she knew. She knew She's who, a partner. Oh, yeah. Not a parasite. She just believed in me. She really, really, really Support. believed in me. So, like, she doesn't break my chops for any of that stuff. You're here right now. Yeah. It's late. It's no. late on a Friday night. He is here right now. So would so your record may mean nothing. My recommendations are just to with your your you know your your pick a good wife. Thought, yeah, pick a good wife for sure. That's without a doubt because I almost went sideways one way one way with me, but uh, again, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I almost married my college sweetheart. Oh boy, that was trouble. Oh, we get beat up on this for her. She still blames me for things, but... <laughs> you're a sweet girl. Oh, boy, you're a sweet girl. That's right. I've come close to making some mistakes. It's okay. No, but my wife, I, 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 I would not be where I am without her. Not a freaking chance. No way, no how. I love that. She has picked me off the floor. I mean, trust me, There's you can tell, everyone sees the fancy stuff. Like, they don't see when, like, things go wrong or things are, bullets are coming your way. And besides, you you can't just dodge them. You can't get off the floor, you know. Like, there's a lot of struggles with it. And you need a good partner to be supportive for that. If someone needs a very specific car, like if someone's looking for, like, this gen, this color, these options. You're calling the wrong person. Do not call you. No. Stay away. No. Okay. Because it's, I always get too, shat, too fat, too short, too skinny, too this. Mm-hmm. He comes in, oh, I, the, the door, this little thing. No. I have enough cars, and I can't chase stuff for you. And if you want me to give my opinion on something you found, I don't want anything for it. You can call me ten times; I'll help you. You can call, show me, come by and show me a car. I'll put it on the lift for you. I'll I'll do push-ups in that form, but just a wild goose goose chase. It's just hard. What um? What would you tell sixteen-year-old Ryan Friedman if you could oh go back? God, what would I tell sixteen-year-old Ryan Friedman right now? Holy shit. I would say... More girls, right? More girls. Oh, God. I don't even know. It's a tough one. Tough one. I would tell him just, like, just just stay that path that you thought you were going to go. Trust yourself? Yeah, trust yourself. Because I never imagined in my wildest dreams that the business would be where it is now. I'm doing the numbers. I mean, we're, we're, we're basically buying a million dollars in cars a week and selling a million dollars in cars a week. It does not make sense. And where, where can people find you? Social media, websites? Ryan Freeman Motor Car.
our social media website rfmc.com at 516-888-9000 you can just text and you'll get me like literally two in the morning i'm gonna answer the text as crazy that's as awesome so. well look i think uh elvis is pushing us out the door <laughs> so ryan thank you so much that was absolutely yeah, amazing this was awesome pleasure pleasure and uh guys follow us for more this episode is going to come out soon um and you know <laughs> thanks for joining us and join us in the next one Supposed to be finding him a girlfriend, bro. Come on, we, we gotta work on this. I'm an A type person. Right, pop in the frame quick. Pop in the frame. Harrison. Just so everyone knows we're having look, a really crazy look, look, party for this guy. Just look at this big. Come here, come on. Come on in, Harrison. We're gonna have a really crazy birthday for this guy. We're gonna pull up in a Cullinan and a Maybach. If you wanna come, hit us up. We're ready to go. So I met Harrison. He solicited me to come to a car meet before a car show. We roll in, he's like, promoted, whatever. It's just me and my cousin Barrett. <laughs> we're there and he's taking pictures of our cars and we're like, this kid's adorable. So like, he's I'm like, you want to ride in the car? He's like, of course. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> he just didn't leave me alone. It's just like, I turn around, like, Harrison's there. Like, Harrison's there. Like, do you want to hang out? He's texting me all the time. So, you know what? He's a good kid. Where it's like, are you hanging out with a 20 year old guy? And you're like, yeah, hard to explain. Yeah, hard to explain. Right, right. And that, trust me, there was many situations like that because. No, there's not. No, there's not. <laughs> no, there's not. No, there's not. But no, he does. He's he's an incredible photographer. Nobody takes pictures Love like that. Love it. Uh, HJK you. photography is just <laughs> literally on Instagram. Nobody takes pictures. HK. It's your turn. H Come on, Heather, get in here. Get your shine, Heather. But no one's getting flowers. Bring the flowers. Bring the flowers. I got Heather these flowers. I found them on the sidewalk on the way here. All right, Supercar Heather. Out of them. I met Supercar Heather in because she car spots. You go to the Miracle Mile where the fanciest stores are. You're looking around and you're like, who's walking around? Oh, there's Supercar Heather. Pictures of the Lambo posted right in the parking lot. Her dedication and devotion to what she does is like no other. And I just see something so big in her bright, bright in her future. Wow. And I, I always told her, like, I wanted her to come around and help and do work with us. And I was always admiring her, like, attention to detail and every aspect of it. And there's just not people like that. So I don't care where you, what age, race, size, shape, whatever you are. If you're in that same world of what I do, like, I want those people around me. And, like, Heather now has finally, you know, she hates to have all the cars in my inventory. She's only into, like, newer cars, Aventadors. Her favorite car is Aventador SVJ. It's a complete, complete, complete piece of trash. You can go on Mannheim and OVE and find 50 of them for sale. It's true. That's what she's, don't attack me, Heather. It's just she now has come because of her vision with social media. She does a lot of videos for us, reels for us stuff. And I want to help grow her business for whatever it is she wants to do. I want, I've told her I want nothing for it, Heather. I just want you to find. What is the business? <clears throat> What is your business? Brokering cars, connecting people. Okay. Anything in the car world to connect people from... Automotor, socialite. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. But she could do it. Any help I can give to along the way, because that's something also, like, you get to a point where in your life, and I'm not at that point where I want to give back and whatever and this and that. She doesn't need my help, right? None of these people do. They could do it on their own. But I had help along the way that, you know, without it... I wouldn't have got to where I've gotten as fast. So if I could be an aid to people that will also help me and look out for me, fuck yeah. Are you kidding me? That, that gets me high, more high than anything else. Awesome. I love it.